You guys are already on the front row. <laughs> Almost everybody. Hi, Roba. How are you today? I, I'm going to sit here because I'm going to tell a story and I'm going to be the narrator. But I need you guys to be the actors, okay? What is a narrator? The person who tells the story out loud. And then the actors are the people who act out the story. So, hmm, hmm. I need someone to be a blind person. Could you be a blind person? Okay, I need you to grab... Uh, I'll let you be the next character. Can you grab that, that Winnie the Pooh blanket? And I need you to sit right there by that pew on the floor, just on the floor. And you need to lay that, I mean, you need to hold the blanket over you. Open it all the way up. All the way up. And lay it on you and then on the floor too. So it's like you're, you're wrapped up in the blanket, but it's laying out on the floor. Got it? Nah! I need to see your face. Okay, so this is Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus is the blind person. And she can't see. Now, you're going to be Jesus. So goes, do you not want to be Jesus? Or do you want to be Jesus? You're scared? Do you want to be Jesus? Okay, you go stand in the back. Back over there. No, no, you don't. No, way in the back, by the doorway. Now, I need two people to be Jesus' follower and two people to be people who stand on the side of the road. Who wants to be Jesus' followers and who wants to be Jesus that stands on the road? You guys want to be followers? Okay. No, Eleanor and, and uh, um, I'm sorry. Ivan. Ivan. My, my, my brain is going blah, 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 blah. Eleanor and Ivan, go back to the back and you're going to be Jesus' followers and you two get to stand over here by Bartimaeus. Okay, Roba, can you go stand there? Now, this is how the story works, okay? I'm going to read to you real quick the story out of the Bible, but then I want you to act it out, okay? This is how it works. Jesus and his friends were leaving the town of Jericho. So back there is the town of Jericho. And this is the road right here, this aisle. And Bartimaeus is laying on the side of the road. He can't, she can't see. She needs people to give money to her because she can't work because she's blind. You guys are excited because Jesus is coming. And so you're going to be going, Jesus, Jesus, I want to have my eyes. I want to see Jesus. You just keep yelling, Jesus. And you guys keep going, be quiet, be quiet, shh, shh, be quiet. Okay, that's your job. And then Jesus, you're coming down the road. And then your fo- Jesus followers, you guys do what Jesus tells you to do. Okay, because the followers of Jesus have to do what he tells you to do. Now, Jesus, I need you to come all the way, not yet. But when we say go, you're going to come all the way down and you're going to walk past Bartimaeus and start walking this way. And when you get right to where you need to be, I'm going to tell you to stop. Okay. All right. Go. Come on down. Start yelling, Bartimaeus. Jesus, say it out loud. And you guys yell at her. Shh, be quiet. Stop. Shh, shh. 
Keep coming, Jesus. Jesus followers, come, 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 come. Jesus, walk all the way down here. Keep walking. Keep yell, yell, make noise. Stop right there. Yell, yell. Tell her to stop talking. Shush. Okay. Now, Jesus, turn to your friends, to your followers, and say, "Who is that? Who's calling my name?" And you guys say, "It's the blind man." And Jesus says. Tell him to come over here. So you guys, you Jesus, tell your friends, tell Bartimaeus to come over here. And then you guys go get Bartimaeus and tell him. No, Jesus, you stand still. Bartimaeus has to come to you. There you go. You have to help because she can't see. Remember, she's blind. Okay, now Jesus... You say, what do you want me to do for you? You don't know? What do you think Bartimaeus wants to... What do you, what do you think Bartimaeus wants most in the world? To be able to see. So Jesus says, what do you... Say that, Jesus, say it. What do you want me to do for you? Say it for And that's it. And now can you see? Ta-da! Okay, good job. Good job. Okay, everybody sit down. Everybody sit down. Now, I want to talk to you real quick about this, okay? This story is a fun story, and we were able to have enough people to do all the acting, but this is what's crazy. Jesus was the only one who had the power to heal Bartimaeus, right? No one else could do it. And Bartimaeus knew that she needed to have healing. So she was yelling. She couldn't see Jesus. She didn't know where he was, but she knew he was coming by. So she's yelling, Jesus, Jesus, please, Jesus. And all of the people around her going, shh, stop it. Shh, he doesn't want to talk to you. Shh, be quiet. Shh. And then Jesus stopped. And he said, who's calling my name? And then the followers of Jesus said, it's Bartimaeus. Well, tell him to come see me, to come to me. So they went and got him. One of the things we didn't say, but it's in here, is the people who were yelling at Bartimaeus saying, Shh, stop talking, stop talking. This is what it says after Jesus calls for Bartimaeus. They go, oh, look, you're so blessed. He wants to see you. Because they just, all they cared about was themselves. They didn't care about Bartimaeus. But they wanted to act like they were good people now that Jesus was wanting to see him. But anyway, the cool part of this whole story, though, is that Bartimaeus believed that Jesus could heal him. And he had to cry out, say, help me, please help me, heal me. And Jesus didn't go, okay. Jesus wanted to know what Bartimaeus wanted. He said, Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? And Bartimaeus said, I want to see, I want to see. And so Jesus said, okay, your faith has made you able to see again. And he gave him the ability to see. Isn't that cool? Yes, sir. That's a different story. There was more than one person that was blind that Jesus helped. And one of them, Jesus did that, but not with Bartimaeus. That's not how he did it with Bartimaeus. He literally didn't, he, Jesus didn't do anything himself. He literally said to Bartimaeus, your faith has made it possible for you to be healed. That's pretty cool. 
That's pretty cool. So I want to pray with you guys. Miss Tammy, are you taking the kids or are we just keeping them in here today? That's what I was thinking. Okay, let's pray with you guys and then you can go back and sit with your folks. Jesus, huh? Huh? Well, she's here, but this is the last Sunday of the month. And we usually let the teachers have a, a Sunday off so that they can be in the worship service with all the other people. No, that's going to be in two, two, three more weeks. So let's pray. Jesus, we ask that you would bless and be with these kids. And Father, help them to understand the truth that's here. That you can do amazing and powerful things, but you want us to believe in you and to trust you. Help them, Father, to walk, to learn to walk that way, to live their life that way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, the next time we have Sunday Fun Day, which is in three Sundays, everyone's going to wear green. And everyone's going to bring food that's colored green. Or drinks that are colored green. And then we have games. Already chosen the games. I'm going to have prizes. It's going to be fun. You're going to like it. Yeah, if you don't wear green, you get pinched. <laughs> okay, you guys can go back and sit with your folks now. Well, I don't want to see green underwear. All right. It has to be something we can see. All right. Well, we are in Mark chapter 10. And... Uh, the story that I just did with the kids is part of the passage that we're supposed to be reading this morning, but I'm not going to read through that. I do want to read the other part, though. So if you'll turn with me to Mark chapter 10, we're going to look at verses 32 through 45, because we just did 46 through 52. 32 through 45. And they were on the road going up to Jerusalem. Now, they is Jesus and his disciples. And Jesus was walking ahead of them. And they were amazed. And those who followed were afraid. And taking the twelve again, Jesus began to tell them what was to happen to him, saying, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles, and they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. And Jesus said to them, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, we are able. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left hand is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. 
And Jesus called all of them to himself and said to them, You know, those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Let's pray. Father, you put this on my heart, oh, more than a week ago. And I just pray that the words that I speak now are not my own, but that they are truly from your Holy Spirit. Father, if there's anything that's of me, just let it fall away. Let only what I say only come from your heart, as as if it's spoken from your very voice to these people. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to do a look at this passage in reverse, because that's how God has put it on my heart. Bartimaeus is the last character in this story. Now, we didn't read that whole passage, but we did act it out for you. One of the things that was really intriguing to me as I was reading other scholars' interpretations and, and, uh, and commentary on these passages, this one scholar that I read said, Notice, Jesus asked James and John the exact same question that he asked of Bartimaeus. What would you have me do for you? He didn't say, this is my plan for you. He didn't say, this is my ultimate desire. He said, what would you have me do for you? He gave him an incredible open door. And Bartimaeus says, I want my sight restored. Now, depending on what translation you read, it may say, I want to receive my sight. It may say, um, let me recover my sight. Some of them say, I want to see again. And I went to the, 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 uh, the, the Greek and looked what it said and it literally says recover my sight. So what that says to me is that Bartimaeus wasn't born blind. Something happened to cause him to lose his sight. So he knew what it was like to live with sight. And his greatest desire was to get that back. Now, in that culture, he couldn't work. He, he literally was dependent on the kindness of strangers and people just tossing coins his way or giving him something. I mean, I, we don't know anything about his living situation. We don't know if he lived at home with his family, if he lived in his own place. We don't know any of that. All we know is that he was literally a beggar on the street, laid his cloak out so people could put money into it. That was whatever he got was that was how he lived. And then... When he was given the opportunity, when he, cause the, he was, again, this wasn't in the story that we did with the kids, but he somehow knew, this blind man somehow knew something was happening. And it was not just a normal thing. Now, 
one of the things that we didn't discuss yet is they are going to Jerusalem because it is the time for the Passover. This is a required trip of every adult male in Israel. Three times a year, they had to go and worship in Jerusalem. Passover, Feast of Weeks, and Feast of Tabernacles. Those three. And Passover was the holiday that was coming up. And literally hundreds, if not thousands of people were walking the road to Jerusalem. Well, this pathway that Bartimaeus had placed himself on was one of the main roads to get to Jerusalem. So it was a great place to panhandle because there were hundreds, if not thousands of people walking by. How did he know it was Jesus that was walking by? We're not told, but what we can guess is there must have been some kind of a murmuring going on in the crowd. Oh my, it's the Messiah, it's the guy that's there. And he, he's like, what, what, what? And he hears Jesus is coming by. He doesn't know which guy is Jesus. All he knows is Jesus is coming. So he starts telling him, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And the whole crowd. Yes, sir. That's true. So he could hear that something was going on. Yeah, that's exactly right. He couldn't see who it was, but he heard and he, he must have heard the name Jesus. And so he was yelling out, trying to get the attention of Jesus. He didn't know how far away he was. He didn't know if he had walked past him already. He's just yelling, Jesus, Jesus, because this is his only chance. He believed that Jesus could heal him. He had the faith to do that. But he had to get his act, his, his attention to let him know, I need something from you. And all the people around him are going, shut up, shut up. Would you knock it off? We want to see Jesus. And Bartimaeus is not going to be dissuaded from it. And he had, literally, he had this pure motive. Yes, it was selfish, but... I don't think it was selfish as much as it was just core of his being desire. He was he needed it to, to be able to live again, to be able to live in existence again. So all of a sudden, out of the blue, Jesus calls for him. He comes up. Jesus says, what would you have me do for you? And he looks at him. Well, he doesn't look at him, but he stands before him and he says, I want to see you again. And Jesus said, your faith has made you well. And he sees again. And look what it says at the very last of that passage. Jesus said, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight. And what does he do? He begins to follow Jesus on the way. He immediately aligns himself with Jesus and becomes a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. He recognizes that Jesus is his only hope. Jesus was his only source. And he finally got what he needed from Jesus. And he just begins walking with him. He didn't go away and live his life. He literally submitted himself to Jesus. I would assume for the rest of time. I would think that on the day of Pentecost... Bartimaeus was probably in the upper room praying. 
I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us that. But that's what I think happened. But what's sad is Jesus' own friends, the ones that he was with pretty much the longest in his earthly ministry, James and John, they were one of the first people Jesus said, follow me to. They hear that he is getting ready to come in to be killed. That's literally it says, Jesus said, I'm going to Jerusalem and I'm going to be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes and they're going to mock me and spit on me and flog me and kill me. And after three days, I'm going to rise again. And James and John go, oh, 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 master, can can, can we get something from you? And he's like, what would you have me do for you? We want to have the most powerful seats in all of eternity. We want to be on either side of you in your glory. And Jesus looks at them and he says, can you drink the cup that I'm going to drink? Sure. Can you be baptized with the baptism with which I'm going to be baptized? Yes, of course. And Jesus looks at them and in his foreknowledge says, indeed, you will be drinking from the cup. Now, what was he saying? They were going to be killed for their faith. James, one of these two guys, becomes the very first martyr of those disciples. Now, Stephen was the first martyr, but when Herod starts killing the disciples, of uh, Jesus, the apostles of Jesus, James is the very first one of the 12 apostles that's killed. And then John, he ends up being the last apostle to die. He's the one that wrote the book of Revelations. He's the one that was banished to the land, I mean, to, to the island of Patmos. But Jesus said, you guys are going to walk a real bad path. <laughs> yes, you will be given a cup and it will be hard and you will be able to drink it. I see that. But it is not mine to give you what you're asking for. That's the father's decision. Those positions have already been allocated according to the will of the father. It's not mine to grant. And then it says it caused division. This attitude of me, 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 me caused division in the apostles. This is the week before Jesus dies. Jesus has spent 12, excuse me, three years working with these 12 guys, preparing them literally for this week. And they're starting to fight amongst themselves over who's going to get the best seat in the house. And Jesus just looks at him and goes, you guys. Let me talk to you about what it means to be a leader. Let me talk to you about what it means. Again, he has to take them right back to the bottom. Look at verse uh, 42. Jesus called them to himself and said to them, this is the, the apostles, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. 
Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. One week out from his death, and Jesus is having to give these basic tenets back. I mean, again, reinforcing this basic truth to his guys. Guys, it is not about you. It is about the kingdom. It is about having God and his plan fulfilled. And you don't, you don't, you're not getting it, but I'm not going to be here in a week. <laughs> in a week and a half, it's going to be just you guys. <sighs> There's an old adage. God's up in heaven talking with the son. And then he sends the son down to live on the earth and to set up the kingdom. And then the son ascends back to heaven and is now seated at the right hand of the father. And one of the angels comes and welcomes the son back and says, what a wonderful thing you did. It was glorious. Oh, God, praise God. And then the angel says, so what's the plan now? What do you mean? Well, you spent three years down there with them. And what's the plan now? How is, the, how is this all going to work out? Well, I had those 12 guys. And, and I gave them all the information that they needed. And then I left. Yeah, but Lord, one of them already failed. One of them walked away. Yeah, I know. So the, now there's only 11. What happens if they start falling away? Well, I have 12. Now I have 11. If another one falls away, I'll have 10. Lord, what happens if they all fall away? Well, I don't know. I have no other plan. This is the plan. I have trusted all of it to these guys. I know that they're going to make it. The angels like, I don't see how that's possible. How can you put it all on these 12, these 10, these 11? And the Lord said, I have no other plan. There is no plan B. This is what we are doing. Now, we from the vantage point of 2,000 years later see that it was successful. But on what we term Good Friday, Jesus, what Jesus had proclaimed here in this Jericho Road experience happened. He was turned over by the chief priest to the Gentiles. He was taken and he was spit on and he was mocked and he was flogged and he was crucified and he died. And then the third day he was raised back to life. Hallelujah. But he didn't stay with the disciples. If you go and read the story in the Gospels, he came to them a couple, three times over the course of 40 days, but he didn't stay with them. The time of 24-7 intimate contact with Jesus ended on the day of crucifixion. And so John and James and Peter and Andrew and Thaddeus and Nathaniel and all of the other 
They gathered in an upper room, scared to death, afraid for their own lives. They, if you read the scripture, Gospel of John, the doors are locked. They're scared to death that any, the, the, the Gentiles are now going to come after them. But there is no other plan. To advance the kingdom of God, these 11 guys now have to pick up the reins and start walking the path before them. But there's no blueprint. There's absolutely no written instructions for them to follow. Now, Jesus did say, if I don't leave, the Father can't send the Spirit. So I am going to leave so the Father will send the Spirit who will be with you and he will be in you and he will guide you. However, in those 40 days, the Holy Spirit hadn't yet come. Now, you can say in John chapter 20 and the night of or in John chapter 19 or 20, one of the two, Jesus did come to them on the very first night and came into the locked room and he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So maybe there was a, a, a dispensational outpouring of the Holy Spirit by Jesus at that time. We don't know. But for sure, we don't we do know that it was 40 days until the Pentecost experience happened when all of the believers, 120 strong we're in the upper room and the Holy Spirit came down and came upon them and they were all filled with the Spirit. But they still didn't have a blueprint. They didn't have written instructions. They had to figure it out for themselves. That's scary. I can, I can relate very well to that because when I was 16 years old, I gave my heart to Christ. And within a year, I began to recognize and understand that I had something on me from God that said I wanted to be more than just a Christian that went to church on Sundays. I wanted to do something for God. I wanted to do something that would advance the kingdom of God. I couldn't explain it. I didn't have anybody mentoring me. But over the course of a couple of years, I came to understand that this thing that was stirring in my spirit was indeed the call to be a minister. But I was in active duty in the Air Force. And every time I tried to get out of the Air Force, God said, nope, nope, you stay. This is part of my plan. You just stay. So finally... After 21 years in the United States Air Force and 21 years of knowing or 20 years of knowing that I was called into the ministry. I'm finally given opportunity to go to Bible college and I go to Bible college for five years, preparing, studying, bringing, training myself up, getting mentors and and just getting ready. I have no idea where where I'm going to end up, but I know this is what God's plan for me is. And I, I'm, 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 I'm finally towards the end of my, my time in school. It's literally we've, we've graduated or yeah, we had graduated. And my best friend in, in, in Bible college gets an interview at a church in Two Rivers, Alaska. And there's a phone call made between him and his wife and the church board. And they had this phone conversation. And the very next day I called Chuck and I said, so how did it go? And he goes, we could, we figured out about halfway through that interview that it just wasn't going to be a good match for us and for what they were looking for. But we really sensed that it might be for you and Renee. And I was like, no, 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 (laughs) no desire to go to Alaska. No, 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 no. But 
making a long story short, within 12 weeks, we were living here. And I was the pastor of the Two Rivers Community Church of the Nazarene. And around April of 2004, I was at a district meeting of the Board of Ministry. They were interviewing me for review whether or not I should be relicensed as a minister. And I was lit, I wasn't cocky. I wasn't being mean spirited, belligerent or cocky. I was angry. And I wanted to let them know how angry I was. And I said to them, and as I got going, I got more and more passionate. And one of the ministers turned to the another one and said, you better go get the district superintendent and have him come in here. Because what happened was I said to them, you people move me a green minister who has never pastored a church anywhere. Yes, I've got a Bible college degree. Yes, I've been mentored for the last few years by professors, but I have never done this before. And you put me in the middle of nowhere with a responsibility for 35 eternal souls. And I have been trying my best to pastor these people with no blueprint, no instructions, and not a single one of you has thought to call me and encourage me and give me any guidance or wisdom And it has been over seven months. What if I'm doing it wrong? What if I am condemning these people to hell because I'm doing it wrong? And we had a long conversation. And I got my license renewed. And eventually they did ordain me. Um, But it's that serious. It's really that serious. There is no plan B. The kingdom of God has been entrusted to the people that are in the room right now. You don't do what you're called to do. The kingdom of God will likely suffer. And I'm not trying to be a doomsday person. I'm not trying to to say, oh, it's going to be horrible. I'm just simply saying there is no plan B. And so where I'm at right now with all of this, Jesus tells his disciples, it's coming to an end, guys. You've had me for 36 months, day in, day out, 24-7. You had full access to ask any question, to get any guidance, to learn from me face-to-face, voice-to-voice. But that is changing and you're now going to be entrusted to use that which I have given you for the advancement of the kingdom of God in a world that doesn't want you. And nothing changes except the location and the names of the people involved. Bob Sugden has been the pastor of the Two Rivers Community Church of the Nazarene since 2003. And at this point in time, Bob Sugden has no intention of leaving or moving or going anyplace else. I hope that God will either allow me to die in the saddle or retire and then someone else will be coming in. However, having said that, 
the way the church of the Nazarene is structured, this church may die when I leave. Because look at the piece of paper that you were handed at the beginning of the service. Pull it out. Look at it right now. There are only 13 people on this list who are truly members who faithfully attend. And I'm not going to embarrass anybody by asking them to raise their hand about their age. But in 15 years, the likelihood is that most of those 13, including myself and my wife, will have gone on to be with the Lord. The likelihood is that in 15 years, there will only be about four people left on this list to be the Two Rivers Community Church of the Nazarene. Now, again, I'm not saying anything good, bad, or indifferent other than this is just the facts of the matter. If God doesn't put it on the hearts of anybody to join the church, that's between God and them. I can't do anything about it. I can't make someone join the church. But I can tell you, just by the rules that we play by, because we are part of an organization that has bylaws, and the rules are, once you get down so far, they just say, you know, enough's enough, folks. Churches die all the time. Let's just lock it all up and sell off the property. Now, that's what's been in my heart for the last two weeks. As I've been looking at the, the, the end of the year and looking at uh, this sermon, and I was really, as, as soon as I read this passage of scripture, it was like, <laughs> that's what went into my heart. For me, it is a glorious privilege to be a minister of the gospel, to advance the kingdom, to speak truth into people's lives, to help people come to know who God truly is. But that's not just the job of a pastor. It's the job of every Christian. Because there are people in your circle of friends that I don't have any right to speak into their lives. You do. You're the one that is plan A for them. If James and John and Andrew and Peter and Nathaniel and Philip and all the others had not gotten it together and gotten over their selfish, petty stuff, and started focusing on the advancement of the kingdom, none of us would be sitting here. Because it would have died thousands of years ago. But every advancement of the kingdom comes comes about because the players, the ones who follow Jesus, the ones who benefit from the presence of the Holy Spirit, and the outpouring of God's presence, and the gifting of God's presence... 
They choose willingly to give up their own personal stuff and become a servant to all. That's what it is. That's plan A. You get saved so other people can get saved. But you can't help them get saved if all you're worried about is what you're going to get out of it. You have to be Bartimaeus, not James and John in this scenario. What would you have me do for you? God, the deepest desire of my heart is this. Granted, go your way. Oh, I don't want to go away from you. I want to follow you. I want to be with you forever. Okay, come on, join me. What would you have me do for you? Oh, we want to have the best. We want to have stuff that will make us the greatest. Mm, That's not the way God's kingdom works. But the reality is, folks, and, and again, don't hear me fussing at you. Don't hear me fussing at you. If you don't commit to this congregation with your life by joining a church, This congregation will cease in the next 15 to 20 years. It just will. And again, that's not a sales pitch. I, if you don't join, that's your business. But God put it on my heart two weeks ago that I needed to say these words to you. And you need to then pray about it and ask the Lord what it is he would have you do with those words. Because I believe And we've talked about it already. I believe God is able to sustain this church. He has for 45 years. Do you realize, that's the other thing I didn't say, today being the anniversary, the the end of the fiscal year, this is the 45th anniversary of the Two Rivers Community Church of the Nazarene. This is the 45th anniversary. There are some people sitting here who knew this piece of property when it was vacant. When it was just trees. But again, 15 years from now, most of us are going to be gone. Heading to glory. And unless someone else picks up the mantle and walks with it, it will end. Lord, is there anything else I need to say? I think I'm done. Let's pray. Father, this is your house. These are your people. This is your ministry. This is your community. Lord God, bring glory to your name through us. Help us, Father, to honor you above everything else. Help us not to seek our own stuff. Help us not to have a selfish attitude. Help us to learn to be servant to all. Help us to put the kingdom first in all situations. Help us to learn to hear clearly from your Holy Spirit and to walk in integrity and humble obedience. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.